This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its continued influence today. My name is Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. hello, hello. Hi there. That was smoother than I thought it would be. It could have been a little even smoother, but... <laughs> Hey, and while we are recording this episode, while we're recording this episode, we're actually streaming live on Facebook right now. Well, unless you're re- mm-hmm. listening to this after we recorded it, then we're not doing it for you live. Huh. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching us live on Facebook, you can actually hear us every week on our audio podcast, which is available on every platform, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., and so on. And if you're listening to this at some point in the future, you can join us on a future live podcast. Follow us on Facebook for more information. Hey, on today's show, we're going to be talking about the word... <laughs> The top, is it the top five when something is awful? Or is it the worst five? The bottom five? Hmm. Hmm. We'll, we'll just say well, five of the of worst. There you go. So it has to be the top. The top best five. worst. <laughs> the top, the top five best worst. There you go. 1980s films with great music. And we put together this list by searching a number of different lists on the internet and asking for your feedback. And we're going to incorporate that into the five films we're going to pre- present. It was hard getting it to five. I mean, there's tons out there, but... Uh, we could talk a little bit about the criteria that uh, we were considering later. Um, but before that, we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, uh, including mm-hmm. which legendary composer is Dimi New... I wrote this down. Dimi Nuendoing. Dimi Nuendoing. <laughs> <laughs> Why Drago refuses to break Rocky uh, and how a vampire spawned a hairstyle that won't die. And later on the show, we're going to be giving away this giant book, and I'm looking forward to giving it away because this thing's heavy. <laughs> huh, I, I got to actually back up to show it on the screen. Are you tired of carrying it around? Is that the problem? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is John. You've got one of these, and actually, this isn't the col- fancy collector's one that you mm-hmm. have, which yeah. comes with that sleeve. It's, it's a beast. That, it must be a couple pounds. But this, yeah, it still weighs the same. I'm sure that you did. And this was provided to us by the folks over at uh, Cook and Becker, mm-hmm. uh, who have a lot of cool, uh, different, nostalgic items you can buy over there. Cookandbecker.com. Now, this, you're not going to get this one because the first one they sent me is entirely in Italian. So maybe we can find an Italian listener that we could give away this one. Speak but up we now. Have another you're one. from Italy. <laughs> Let's do this. Hit the desk. Uh, we have one in English, and uh, we'll be giving that away later in the show. And it's really easy to win it. Uh, we'll tell you about that later. Hey, a couple of announcements. All right, let me try this again here and say, hey, here we go. Join us on Facebook. Oh, I have my sound effects. Yay. Join us on Facebook Live on August 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern. So where we are right now, because every month we do live 1980s trivia and we give away a $50 gift card to the the lucky winner, the person that knows the most about the 1980s pop culture. And uh, this month at the end of August, we're going to have a special surprise guest, an actor who appeared in nearly two dozen films and TV shows throughout the 1980s. And I guarantee you're a big fan of at least one of them, (laughs) right? But probably more than one. It'd be. Could Maybe be? two or three. Uh, and I'll give you a hint because she mm. will be asking mm. questions related to the films that she appeared in during our favorite decade. Mm-hmm. So I, I guarantee you know these movies. These are huge, very popular films. 
Uh, she'll be asking questions related to those films on August 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, when we do 1980s trivia. Follow us on Facebook for more information, right? Anything mm -hmm. else? All right. No? Is that all? How do I do this? There we go. Look at that. Okay. Hey, and like we'd say hey. every week on this show, let's get caught up on 1980s news. Oh, wait. I forgot to show off my shirt. Can I show off oh, my yeah. shirt really quick? So what's up with your shirt? I mean, we know you look, love Duran Duran, but is there? Look at it. It's from the. It's from Hyde Park. Oh, it's from, it's from your concert. Ah. It's my concert shirt. Yes. Okay. <laughs> look, we, we heard yeah, a couple episodes ago how much she loved being at the concert, but she's not satisfied. She's going to try to see them two more times now. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, yes. We'll you know shut what? down my third attempt. Oh, so down. no. Oh, okay. Good for you. Time, yeah. As well you should. <laughs> What, uh, you're sure you're encouraging her to try or encouraging me to shoot her down? No, no, encouraging her to try. <laughs> and I thought that you were saying- <laughs> Yes. Good job, no. Will. You should Wait, you will crush her dreams. That's my man. Well, my no, response that's not literally what I was, was I think it sounds crazy, Kat. And it is, but I'm up a, for crazy. I'm, up I'm for crazy. all full crazy right now. I got plenty of crazy. But she's right, crazy, crazy for the Duran. She's yeah, got she to is. do it. Hey, this week on 1980s News, per Variety, legendary film composer John Williams eyes retirement after scoring Indiana Jones. You know, I just realized we, were, we should uh, wow. make fo hmm. folks, folks in, the fa in Facebook, hey, yeah, give us your feedback. I just realized we're getting a bunch of comments and not responding yeah, to are. a single one. Uh, <laughs> just say hi. Everyone's saying hi. We should have said hi to everybody. Yeah. Hey, should we just shout out some random names? Hey, Megan. We say hey, yes. Megan, for sure. Megan's uh, here. Hey, Jessica's Kelly. Here. Hey, Darcy. Should we do them all at the same time, Kat? Or maybe you should just do them. <laughs> just cluster that, that it together, be, everyone. That could yeah. be um, confusing. John, yeah. you grab all the ones that start with M through Z. Kat will do A through uh, whatever letter comes before M. I can't and do letter math live. Are you kidding me? I'll, I'll do anybody that has uh, weird uh, non-alphanumeric characters in their names. <laughs> hey, Sally, Marcus, Jessica, Lorenzo, uh, everybody. Okay, hey. Everybody. <laughs> oh, I see Sonny already We've responded four mannequin. Now we're tired. <laughs> And I'm, I'm okay. So Matt, I guess mannequin is, is her suggestion. Uh, anyway, okay. So John Williams has hinted that Indiana Jones Five, you know, the forthcoming, uh, mm -hmm. likely last entry in the Indiana Jones film uh, mm -hmm. franchise, might also be John Williams' <laughs> last film. Why are you shaking your head already? There's no way this will be the last Indiana Jones film. Maybe the okay. last starring Harrison Ford. There's okay. no way this is the end of the franchise. But okay, is it to continue? Right. Just too much money to be made. That's right. Yeah. Right, yeah. like, oh, we're going to retire it, and then you're going to get about three or four years, and then go, revival, it's going to happen again. That's, <laughs> that's, when you got a cash cow like that, you don't put it out to pasture. Yeah, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I'm okay with that, <laughs> depending on the, if they choose the right actor, or it could be, look, we talked about this, right? Uh, Kiwi, uh, Kiwi Kwan is back acting now. Yes, yeah. Why don't we have a short round film, right? We could do that. Exactly, you a spinoff. On board. He was totally on board that, with uh, that. Oh, yeah. Movie. I would uh, but John that. Williams hinted that, uh, look, legendary composer, right? I mean, mm -hmm. is there another composer in our youth that scored, I wouldn't say of our generation because he's not of our generation, but that scored more of the important films to our generation, I suppose, uh, than John Williams? I can't think of anyone. I, I, I have a close one. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Danny Elfman. Close. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Close. Mm -hmm. Not as not as storied a career and not yeah. as big a box office draw, but damn close. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I and agree. I'm sure he's uh, many people's favorite as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I've yeah. got other favorites too, but as far as volume goes, you're right. Elfman's got a lot. Williams has got, mm -hmm. I mean, no one can, can compete. I don't think. Right. Mm -hmm. John Williams hinted that 
In addition to it being Harrison Ford's last outing, it might just be his as well. He pointed out during an interview with Associated Press that he said, at the moment, I'm working with Harrison Ford, who is a quite a bit quite a bit younger than I am, I think has announced that it will be his last film. So I thought if Harrison can do it, then perhaps so can I. How old is John Williams? 90? Why not? What? 90 years old, right. Wow. He pointed out that the six-month commitment offer required for these films might be even too much for him at 90. Uh, he said, at, at this point in my life, it's it's a too long a commitment. Um, but he made clear that he's not closing the door to not doing any types of music uh, because uh, mm-hmm. something may actually spark his interest. And most recently, he did mm-hmm. return to do some music for the uh, Disney Plus Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you got to wonder Kathy at 90 years old. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, at ninety years old, how many more six months does he have in him? You know, right. so those, those are big commitments when you're when you're at that age. I'm I, feeling my back hurts now, and I'm only not, not even close. I, I, I feel like I, look, this is really dark. Maybe we don't want to go so dark so quickly Uh-oh. in the show here. Dark will <laughs> discourage any new listeners. But dark I feel like at the closer we get, right, the more things you start counting like that and keeping track. How many more Christmases mm-hmm. and birthdays and yep. Yeah, if you're getting to six yeah. months, yeah, you do something. You, but imagine he loves it. Wouldn't he love to die at the... <laughs> you know, <while> he's... <laughs> Come back up there. Join the rank of decomposing yeah. composers. In the right. middle of composing. Just, and yeah. I could suggest a tombstone for him because this thing is... <laughs> just change the cover. Right. Kathy's asking, yeah. didn't he retire and they dragged him out to score Obi-Wan? Did he already well, retire know, once? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that he, I don't think he actually ever officially retired, Kathy. He just took a break. But that is the last project he's done as far as we know. And I think, I don't know if he, I think he did the theme and that was it. There was okay. some other composer that did the show. Okay. Yeah. And did it well, very much in the spirit of John Williams. And if you're John mm-hmm. Williams, you probably, you have a, yeah. a storied enough career. You have the money you need. There's no reason to do anything you don't just want to do for the passion of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he, John Williams is making rent. I mean, he's okay. I'm sure he's not like anybody, you know, write music for food. He's in fine shape, I'm sure. So if something comes along he loves, I bet he'll jump on it, even if he does retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm counting on it. No, no, about jump. Maybe, maybe hobble over. You know? <laughs> maybe <laughs> hobble. <laughs> Teeter over. Teeter. <laughs> Boy. Uh, hey, in other 1980s news per uh, Entertainment Weekly, Sylvester Stallone condemns mm-hmm. Rocky spinoff Drago. Hmm. You know, actually, next week we're going to be talking on our next, uh, not uh, next week's, on our next episode, I should say. We're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to catch up on all the sequels and reboots for, uh, not, I shouldn't say all, because their list right now is like three dozen, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, reboots, yes. sequels of 1980s film and TV that we've been promised. And see, did they ever happen? Are, are they still coming? <laughs> Some of them, I'm going to tell you right now, they happened already. You don't even know it because they lasted for a few months and they got canceled. And then, yeah. yeah. A season. <laughs> a lot of them went to streaming. Yeah, they were just yeah. in and out. So here's another one. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, for folks who don't know, uh, it was at the end of July, beginning of August, Sylvester Stallone went all Rambo on Rocky, uh, producer Mm. Erwin Winkler, who he has no love for this guy. Uh, And not only did he attack Winkler, he attacked the guy's kids too. Uh, And if you don't know who Winkler is. No, no. uh, Can you imagine? Uh, Yeah. So if you don't know who Erwin Winkler is... uh, (laughs) Just seeing some of the comments. He's the Fonz, right? Marcus, hey, some comments. Yeah. Marcus says, e. <laughs> damn it, Will, why did you make counting Christmases? Yeah, I'm sorry about that, man. What does that mean? Because uh, I said, you, as the older you get, you start counting these holidays. 
Yeah. And now he's got a kid. He's going to start counting his Christmases. Sorry, man. I put that in your head. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kathy, Roadhouse is one of the films coming up. That's right. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Kelly says they should not redo any 80s movies. They're perfect. Leave them alone. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm going to talk about in the next episode. We talk about that. Mm -hmm. Are there any 80s Mm -hmm. movies that were conceptually great, but just they couldn't pull it off at the time? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, back to this story. So yeah, if you don't know who Erwin Winkler is, he's the he's the guy who produced all the Rocky films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he won an Academy Award, Erwin Winkler, for the first film that he directed. Anyway, so sharing a news article about the upcoming Drago, uh, Sly wrote, quote, another heartbreaker just found this out. Once again, this pathetic 94-year-old producer and his moronic, useless vulture children, Charles and David, Holy are once crap. again picking clean the bones of another wonderful character I created without even telling me... <laughs> Wow. Colorful, and then he wrote, colorful language. Then he wrote JK and put a smiley face. No. <laughs> hey. Clown ass. Adrian, I'm going to kill this producer. <laughs> no, I would not. Yeah, I would not want to. He kind of walked it back after. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty, pretty vicious. He came on pretty yeah. strong there in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, he, he concluded with a, an apology to fans writing, I never wanted Rocky characters to be exploited by these parasites. Wow. Mm. He's uh, since deleted this uh, tweet, mm-hmm. however. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was deleted. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> because some other stuff, uh, you know, I'm probably mostly behind the scenes uh, happened because uh, despite the, his, op- well, first of all, despite his opposition to the project, so let me make it clear that he has no uh, hate and his no animus toward Dolph Lundgren, who actually played Drago in the in Rocky Four. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And also he, Drago, he, he reprised his role in Creed too. Did you guys know that? Are you watching the yeah. Creed films? Mm-hmm. You are? Okay. Mm, I yep. haven't seen them. Yep. Yeah. Are they any good? They are. They are. Oh. Uh, the first one, especially the second one, I might have fallen asleep during. That's no judgment okay. on the film. I just don't. Yeah. I don't remember the ending at some point. But <laughs> they're they're quality. Yeah, I enjoy them. And I know that uh, Stallone was in the second one, which I thought was very cool because there was a reunion between him and Lundgren um, okay. in a mm. diner because Dolph Lundgren is like training up his son to 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 break Baby Creed. Oh, I will break your son. <laughs> the spoiler alarm is going off, John. Spoiler, spoiler. alert for the movie from four years ago i haven't seen it if i haven't well, seen it it's that, whose fault is that <laughs> i can't tell you it would betray confidences um so well that's encouraging i suppose but uh, in spite of the fact that salone i guess had faith in those films because he, he, he played a role in those he was apparently surprised by this one but he has nothing against uh, L- lundgren uh, in particular and stallone has been vocal about his wish to overtake the control of the franchise in the past it turns out that he has no rights no control over Rocky, and he never has. Now, he was a young person when he made the first film. That's Very fortunate yeah. to be able to get the deal yeah. he did. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But it turns out uh, he still has nothing. In fact, he went on to complain about this, saying that Ir- after Irwin, this is uh, Stallone again, after Irwin controlled Rocky for over 47 years, and now Creed, I would really like to have at least a little of what's left of my rights back. A lot of these words, by the way, are in all caps. Not all of them. It's kind of right. like when you read uh, like old, like the Constitution and pronouns are in caps and verbs are not. Mm-hmm. Is that a comment on how old Stallone is? That he writes like the founding, <laughs> the founding fathers? Father. He is a founding father in a sense. <laughs> of? Yeah. He wants what's left of my rights back before passing on to your children. I believe that would be a fair gesture from this 93-year-old gentleman. <laughs> so it's unclear if Lundgren would return to play Drago, uh, even though a news report had linked him to it, which is what caused all this uh, dust up in mm-hmm. the first place. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Lundgren actually took to Instagram to set the record straight, writing, quote, there's no approved script, no deals mm-hmm. in place, no director. And I was personally under the impression that my friend Sly was involved as a producer or even as an actor. Mm-hmm. In touch mm-hmm. with Mr. Balboa, 
just so all the fans can relax. <laughs> now, it turns out, regardless of this uh, feud that may or may not be bubbling and whether Drago is actually happening, uh, Stallone and Michael Jordan, who uh, Michael B. Jordan, who plays uh, Apollo Creed's son in, the, in that uh, spinoff mm -hmm. franchise, will be reprising right. their roles in Creed Three. So Stallone's still going to be in the next one. Oh. It's coming out next year, March 3rd. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Those parasites <laughs> using his care. Oh, unless I'm in it, then it's super. Then that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and like we just talked about a minute ago, he's another kind of like a statesman of 80s cinema that doesn't mm -hmm. need to do anything he doesn't want to do anymore. I think he's more mm -hmm. interested Correct. now in the yeah. rights and control than he is in you know, the, the check he's going to get for, for being in it, probably. I, I get that. He created Rocky, so... Yeah. yeah, that's going to be tough, you know, for, mm -hmm. it turns out if I found out Erwin Winkler was in charge of this podcast or <laughs> be I thought he was, you'd be a little, he, that's uh, who pays missed. me. Who pays you? You get paid. <laughs> oh, perhaps I've said too much. <laughs> I'm doing a spinoff to this podcast. It's also going to be called Drago. <laughs> I'm going to do um, a spinoff too. Parasite. It's that was easy. Here she goes again. <laughs> Yeah, a spinoff is would mean you do it later at a different time on your own, not oh. during this one. Whoops. <laughs> this I'm is a backdoor pilot for that is what we're doing right now. If you're just joining us, we're going to be giving away this book, which weighs a lot. It's uh, Pac-Man. You're just joining us. This book is heavy. Thanks show for tuning in. If you're just joining us, this book is heavy. Can you I'm willing to give it to you. Yeah, show Can I turn thickness. it? See the thickness yeah, of it? it? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. It's hardcover, uh, right? Yeah, I wish I could give you some oh, kind yeah. of a point of reference here. Here's a pencil. I know you have a ruler there somewhere. I know I do. you do. It's just out of reach. And where's your level? It's that's, several that's pencils crooked. thick. Well, it's it look. It's it's almost as thick as Will's hair is tall. Uh, that's that is saying something. Look at that. Look at that. There's a measure. Right. It is, it but is, not Anson Mount. Yeah. I wouldn't no, be no. able to lift that's, that book. It's about half an Anson Mount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious if you guys would you even see a Drago movie. Now, John's a fan of the Creed movie, so would you hang in there for yet another another bite well, at this apple? You didn't ask me if I was a fan. You asked me if I'd seen them. I had oh, seen them. I, I thought they, they were, were good. Okay. They were good. That doesn't make me a fan. I, I like see. the Rocky. Fan of the Rocky films. But that being said, I would absolutely watch a Drago film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you kidding? Uh, to see Lundgren and to see the continuation of that. Hmm. After seeing him in Creed 2 and seeing how he's kind of broken after, oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to see. I would, I'd like to see more of that. I, I'd mm -hmm. need to catch up a little on the Creed thing, yeah. and I would definitely watch it if we were going to talk about it here. But I, I don't think I'd really go oh. out of my way. Well, see, Amy Johnson says nope to Drago. <laughs> that was Kathy. Uh, Marcus for says sure. for sure it would be about Drago's kid. Yeah, now Drago's mm -hmm. kid was in, in Creed too, right? You said he was fighting. That's right. Uh, okay. He was trying mm -hmm. to kill Creed's son in his father's uh, tradition. <laughs> it's just really the business, the family tradition. business. Sounds yeah, like a mess. What do you do? Oh, we kill Balboas. Yeah. It's 11. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, and Kelly says, absolutely not. All right. Okay. Hey, another 1980s news. Okay. Per, uh, finally, this is our last story here. According to Yahoo Entertainment, Kiefer Sutherland apologizes for an 80s hairstyle <laughs> that is making a comeback. Now I wonder, does anybody have a, does anybody know or have a guess as to what the 80s hairstyle is without even? Oh, come on, guys. Uh, Somebody say it. Well, for more than three more than three decades ago, believe it or not, uh, when Sutherland was 18 years old, he made a film starring as a, oh yeah, Mal, uh, Megan. Yeah, Megan. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Amy says Muller as well. He starred as a bad boy vampire biker in Joel Schumacher's 1987 mm -hmm. vampire classic, The Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. uh, in that film, Sutherland rocked the classic mullet. You know what that is. <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. Yep. Right. 
Now, speaking of Yahoo Entertainment recently, Sutherland has taken responsibility for unleashing the mullet on the world. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> right. Why would you ever admit that? Don't you want to just sneak away from that yeah. association? Did either uh, of you have a mullet? I don't right now. I mean, ever. Oh, <laughs> ever. On. Ever. I want to know, Will. Did you I could ever see have a John mullet? with a mullet 100%. <laughs> I, could I did not have a mullet. There's pictures of John with the mullet. There, <laughs> there, there are no photos on the internet that I'm aware of with me with the mullet. All right. I'm going to have to do some digging. I'm going to talk to your mom. Possible. The dark <laughs> possible. But I'm... We're going to have to uh, social engineer a way to get your mom to produce some pictures. <laughs> I uh, have no recollection of ever having a mullet. <laughs> Kat, is there a female equivalent of the mullet? I mean, women can have mullets too. Well, certainly. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I just don't think it's called that. I might need help from Kathy. Help me out here. What, uh, or Megan. The high hair, the perm. Oh, that's called the Jersey Jersey and, hair. Yeah, Jersey girl hair. It's what, probably no. the equivalent. Wait, Megan <laughs> says not to brag, but a kid in Arkansas went to the national mullet competition. Wow. <laughs> Did he what? win? <laughs> and is that a source of pride? And, and what are the categories? Height, length. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a ratio of the height to the length. How much party? Yeah. How much business? Yeah. How much business? How much party? <laughs> you you want a work life balance in your hmm. mullet is what you're shooting for is what I hear. I bet you what the competition is is they set him out on job interviews. <laughs> if he doesn't get the job, good mullet. Yeah, he didn't have enough business in the front. And nobody see in the article that we're talking about, Will, that he was yeah. he was actually trying to mimic one of his favorite rockers at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Billy yeah, Idol. Billy Idol, of course. <laughs> the 24 actor said that his look was inspired by a rocker, as as, as John pointed out. And he said that uh, at the time, Keith Sutherland had what he described as wrestler hair. So I guess it's probably all long, I'm mm -hmm. imagining. Mm -hmm. Just a big old, yeah, yeah. Then he, and he hated that uh, hairstyle. So then uh, Billy Idol had just come out and he was the coolest and had the coolest hair. So... So they look. They they wanted a they wanted a balance of Billy Idol with the spiky hair and the Joel Schumacher wanted mm -hmm. the length. So they yes, that's the mullet was the compromise. <laughs> yeah, and now Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland says, "quote I actually think I may have been responsible, at least partially responsible, for creating it, and for that I apologize to the death." So that means it's, it's Schumacher in the front and Sutherland in the back. Then is that is that the oh, compromise? Oh, yes. I like that. That's yeah. a neat yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm, do you have the Schumacher Sutherland yeah. combo? Go to the barbershop and want the Schumacher Sutherland. The Schumacher, yeah. this is not a bar. This is, you can't okay. order a Schumacher Sutherland yeah. in here. I did some digging, of course. And, and, and as you guys know, well before Billy Idol, there were other folks who rocked the mullet, David Bowie uh, and Rod Stewart in the 70s. And even before that, Tom Jones had one in the 1960s. And I did oh, yeah. find out that mullets have also appeared in antiquity. Mm. Uh, the earliest evidence of this regrettable do was a metal figurine back uh, dating back to the first century. A metal Figure. <laughs> it shows the natives of Britain uh, were partying in the back under Roman occupation. <laughs> and if you recall, oftentimes depictions in film have Native Americans with that similar style like that. Yeah, uh, and yeah. turns out in the 17th century, they were described by pilgrims as having, in contemporaneous documents, as having that uh, hairstyle. Quote, uh, describing it as long behind, only short before. None of his, none on his face at all, end quote, is when how one pilgrim described the hairstyle of a native. That doesn't rhyme at all. <laughs> I, th I thought it was going to rhyme too. <laughs> it's, was, it, it, it sounded so good. Yeah. Like it was, How does it scan? Is it a, uh, so like, Japanese? Uh, welcome to Native American iambic pentameter. Oh, it didn't work out. Crap. Long, far, right long, long behind, only short before. None on John. his face at all. <laughs> Turn it into no a limerick, John. I tell you. Right, you need you. something. <laughs> yeah. We uh, need a limerick for that. I need, I need time to create. I'll get back okay. to you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Trick this out. <laughs>
although the so in digging to try to find the uh, history of the mullet, I was also looking for the etymology of the mullet. And all the it turns out the internet is littered with spurious claims that a non-existent French fashionista Henri Mollet was the first to wear the mullet. And then his last name, Mollet, M-O-L-L-E-T, became mullet. That guy doesn't exist. It's a bunch of bull. Uh, <laughs> but the Oxford English Dictionary credits one particular hip-hop group from the 1980s as having first coined the term in 1994, oh. I believe. Okay. Hmm. Any guesses? No. The Beastie Boys! Oh, oh yeah? Really? Did they? Yeah. I think it was oh Check Your gosh. Head Day. Check your head. Did, did Will just play correct answer music for himself? for himself? He was reading it off the paper. <laughs> it's like, I am so good. I got it right. <laughs> hey, congratulations, Will. Well done. He needed a power up. <laughs> oh, did you, did you hide this Marcus thing after it came up? Well, Sounds I, I like just... an un, unfortunate end to date night. Schumacher in the front, and Sutherland front. in the back. Sutherland in the back. You know what? I'm going to let this one go. I have some thoughts. I'm going to let it go. John's letting it go too, which is funny when we're on a video podcast, for some reason, we're not saying things that we would normally say you on the audio. You're being so well behaved. When people can't see us. Well, people could see us now. Uh, yeah, now Kelly they know Ray. who said it. <laughs> Kathy says Billy Ray Cyrus is probably responsible. Yeah, too, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they through the 1980s as well, right? Okay, Megan, hey. Megan and Marcus both guessed the Beastie Boys. Oh, they, they did? got it with you. Do the oh. power up again. Yep. Oh. For them. What'd you say? Do the power up? Do you know the music. Yeah. <laughs> it's victory music. You, you got to play it for Megan and Marcus there. See, they got the Beastie music. That's the power They up. didn't read it off the paper like you. They deserved it even more. Yeah. Paper. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was 1980s news. <laughs> Greetings, we're Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory. We might use strong language. Oh my God, I can't talk anymore. You missed, missed it. <laughs> All right, hey, as we've threatened uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, the worst, what, how do we say it? The top five worst of the worst 80s movies with the best music. The best of the worst. Right. <laughs> That's so concise. Love so it. I see folks have got a number of different suggestions on here. And look, mm -hmm. we're only going to get to five. And we'll explain why we picked these five. Because a lot of these are, are great on here. Um, and I'm going to read some of the ones. Uh, let's see. We'll, we'll just uh, mm -hmm. share right now. Fast Times at Richmond High is a great soundtrack, right? But I think that's probably regarded as a great movie too, right? It's a good movie too, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that more one, people would like uh, it than not. Yeah. We're going to get to Joseph's suggestion on our list here. Um, Last Action Hero, amazing soundtrack to a movie no one saw. You know, I don't remember the soundtrack, but you're right. The movie definitely was lackluster. It was very ambitious. But Let's see that one. It was. I, exactly. I liked that film. I liked the Turbo Man. Yeah. Turbo Man is a great collectible still these days. If you can get one. Yeah. Oh. Wait a second. Turbo Man in Last Action Hero? 
Oh wait, no, that was that was Jingle All the Way. It was the yeah. other horrible Schwarzenegger movie. My bad. So he, he has no feelings about Last Action Hero. He loves Jingle All the Way. Yeah, I do right. like Jingle do. All the Way. By the way, that's I get those two movie, mixed up like all the time. I don't know why. I don't well, know. They both yeah. have because they're both terrible and both have Schwarzenegger in it. I guess. Yeah, and I've, I've probably seen them both twice. Ever. Yeah. Uh, Bill says up the Academy. All right, Bill, you stumped me. I don't even know what that oh. is. Huh. What is that? Hmm. Uh, Megan says Flash Gordon. And you know what, Megan? I, we were all set to do Flash Gordon because it appeared on a number of lists. But on hindsight, a couple of things. One, mm -hmm. uh, look, at the time, you're right. It was a bomb. Uh, it wasn't regarded very well at the time. Now, if you look at it, it probably has a high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But that's because people are writing about it now. How you know, great it is because it's got it's, a cult It's a cult classic now. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think the but the reason, not I think, because I know the reason why we didn't ultimately include Flash Gordon is Hummus tune other than I'll just do it. One of you guys join in. Flash Savior of the Universe. Was it Savior of the Universe? I mean, other than that, yeah, our the sync is off because of the time. Um but other than that, I don't we'll know. You know, so, post. right? Yeah, yes. we will. But you guys at the live get the crappy version. Anyway, so that one, that's why that one's. Congratulations! Right, so Mar Thanks for being Marcus here. says uh, jumping Jack Flash, <laughs> National Lampoon's uh, vac European Vacation. Yeah, I don't. Honestly, I don't. Hmm. Yeah, they so, came so up on no list, so they were off my. The, the soundtrack doesn't yeah. grab me. It doesn't jump out and go, "Oh, the soundtrack from that va vacation yeah. film." I, grab me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we have yeah. a great list. We have a great list. Yeah, right, right. If right, we do right. say so. Okay, ourselves. so yeah, and again, it's the worst. It's a top five worst of the worst, nineteen eighties movies with great soundtracks. Something like that. All right, hey, I'm gonna Wilson. do one here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do one here, uh, and this is one that disappeared on a number of lists, and some folks, I think, on. Uh, I didn't write down that anybody on Facebook suggested it. So maybe they did and I just don't remember. Hmm. Uh, Streets of Fire, the 1984 film. Right now, again, look, this one holds a Rotten Tomato score of 68% right now. But I, that's because, again, people are retconning. Like, oh, and appreciating yeah, the genius yeah. of it 30 years, some out of 40 years right. ago. At the mm -hmm. time, people didn't know what to make of it. Uh, it was a lot of uh, sort of mixed reviews about it. It's an unusual film. Uh, as described in the opening credits of the film, it's a rock and roll fable. Maybe Fable keys us into that. It's kind of creating this world where almost anything can happen because it's a, a mix of different genres of films. Uh, it's set in a world that seems to be have 50s, 1950s aesthetics, but it's, you know, addressing 1980s mores and values. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it was directed and written by Walter Hill, who, and with the, along with Larry Gross, that pair created the idea for this film and, and, and began production on it while they were completing 48 Hours, a much better film that the two <laughs> did together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and because 48 Hours was so popular and was well-received, the studio was like, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. And this is what he pitched them. According ah. to Hill, the origin of the film was came out of his desire to make what he would have thought was a perfect film at a young as a young man. So- mm -hmm. You know, guys on motorcycles, guys having, you know, witty quips, uh, guy getting the girl, uh, you know, kisses in the rain is one of the things he listed as. Um, okay. It was in, mm -hmm. you got a comment about kissing <laughs> no, in the rain? No, no, just listening. <laughs> young boys dream about no. kissing in the rain, cat. You're not a I, young boy, so you don't know that. <laughs> this is what Hill said. I didn't say that. Young girls don't dream about it, too. <laughs> no, no, young girls dream about upside down kisses. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Upside um, down. 
anyway, he, he said also that it was influenced in part by uh, the films of George Lucas, John Hughes, and by the movie Flashdance. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so and you can kind of you can kind of tell because yeah. again, this film is like all these things kind of lumped together. At one yeah. point, the uh, Hill and uh, Gross looked at each other and said during the production, I think as they started getting editing the film, I'm like, I don't think this is you know it's coming out the way we thought it would come out. We didn't really stop and consider what it would be like mashing all these things together. <laughs> um, and of course, it starred a number of soon-to-be celebrities, including Michael Paré, uh, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, Willem Dafoe. Uh, but it only grossed eight million dollars in North America against a production of fourteen and a half million. Um, now, it's not a coincidence. Streets of Fire is the name of the movie, and it's not a coincidence that it shares the name with the Bruce Springsteen song that came out the, the decade earlier in the nineteen seventies, because originally Springsteen had given them permission to use that song at the end of his film. Oh. Then he found out that they were going to re-record it and have a different person oh. sing it, and Ooh. he took back, uh, you know, he Deal breaker. reneged on the on the rights. Oh yeah. my gosh! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> to the to the you know, I guess to the credit of the film or, or to the credit of the producers, they brought in legendary songwriter, music producer Jim Steinman. Right. Uh, fortunately, Steinman just uh, passed away uh, last yes. year. But mm-hmm. prior to that, he had a storied career writing hits for a number of folks you certainly have heard of, Celine Dion, Bonnie mm-hmm. Tyler, and his longtime collaborator, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. The Bad Out of Hell, a- a- Hell album, that's entirely Steinman. His song about <laughs> not knowing what to, uh, what is it? He won't do, he'll do a bunch of things, but he won't do a certain other thing. Jim Steinman, right? I'll do anything for love, okay. uh, but I won't do that. <laughs> well, that sounds much better <laughs> than what I just That's the one. Said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do anything for Schumacher, but I won't do Sutherland. <laughs> the biggest. I'll have Sutherland it in the front, everywhere. but not Schumacher in the Wait, I'll have. Wait, Sutherland's in the front. Schumacher's in the back. I think Marcus for Schumacher. Yes, yes. Sutherland. Sure. <laughs> in the front. Anyway. Um, now, there's one song on the soundtrack you absolutely know. It's Dan Hartman's I Can Dream About You. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Love it, love That's it, the love most it. successful song on this uh, particular mm-hmm. soundtrack. It actually was a top yeah. 10 hit. But mm-hmm. the Steinman songs that the, the, the bookends in the film, because he has an opening song and the closing song, are really what everyone regards as the heart of the film. Nowhere mm-hmm. Fast and Tonight is What It Means to Be Young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of set the pace and the energy of the film. It's, it almost seems like Walter Hill, especially at the beginning, is editing to that frenetic sort of pace of the, of the opening number. Mm-hmm. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, Steinman was so good at what he did that when Springsteen reneged on the rights, he wrote the, they asked him to write the closing song. He wrote it in two days. It turned out to be so perfect for the movie that Joel Silver, who was the producer commissioned, uh, spent another million dollars commissioning them to, to uh, re, uh, what did they call it? To reshoot the closing to the film so they could have really? Diane, Lane, Diane Lane's character oh, singing. Wow. I don't think she, she didn't actually sing. I think she was just oh, no, singing no, no, no. someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And many regard uh, the the ending of the film as the best filmmaking of Walter Hill's career, including, look, his guy made The Warriors, 48 Hours, like I mentioned. And another example of how just amazing a songwriter uh, Jim Steinman was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's all you need to know. You don't need to see it. No, actually, you could see it. It's really weird. And- <laughs> it's, it's not worth seeing, but you can listen it's to it. It's well regarded now. <laughs> I see Kelly in the chat saying, I listen to the soundtrack frequently. And I don't know if Kelly is talking about. Yeah, which one, Kelly? Oh, the jazz yeah. singer. She's talking about the jazz singer. Ah, the jazz singer. Because Megan mentioned the jazz. I don't know. So you guys are having a whole other show. They're having a whole show, other show about different different movies in the chat. That's fine. 
<laughs> Megan is hosting her own thing. Go. That's go called Megan. engagement. Go. We'll take That's it. Good. Good. Go, Megan. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, John, you want to tell us about one? I know you picked out one. John, I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel a little bad putting this on a list of worst movies okay. because I don't hate it. I really All like right. it. But it's typically not a good movie when you ask anyone that is objective, which I'm not. Oh. <laughs> so, okay. so I chose. 1987's Stallone vehicle over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Stallone is a tough truck driver named Lincoln Hawk, determined to win back his son and triumph at the World Arm Wrestling Championships. Oh, yeah. See, Kat, you're doing it. All I can picture is he's in the cab and he's got he's the pulley truck, right. with the weights oh, yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm driving a truck. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just. He's got one giant arm, the other one's a chicken arm. <laughs> Chicken wing. That's all I could think too. What about yeah. his other arm? Yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes gives us a 32%. Oh, wow. That feels yeah. about right. But the audience says 49. So they're kind of split 50 oh, 50. Okay. John on there, like, 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 like. I'm creating new accounts. I don't yes, care that bots. Much. We have some fans in the chat here too. They're saying, oh, yeah. Woo. Yeah, yeah, over the top. Yeah. yeah we'll yeah. see. And Kat, you oh, and I can, goodness. we can meet together on this one because we're both children of truck drivers. 10 right? for oh, good buddy. <laughs> I hadn't thought yeah. about that. And so this yeah. film, now I, I was not estranged by my father. I had a great father yeah. who got along great. I saw him all the time when he was yeah. home off the road. But in this yeah. case, uh, uh, Lincoln Hawk was separated from his son early on mm-hmm. and he never had a relationship with him. And the mother mm-hmm. is sick and she has asked him to drive him from his military academy across to California. And right. during that mm-hmm. time, get to know one another. A kid even says, do you think you can make up for two or three years and or, or, or in like 10 years and two or three or lifetime. Yeah. days? He's like, nope, not even trying. <laughs> but so yep. Stallone is even, he's gone on record as saying that he did not like the final version of the film. Okay. He said that if he directed it, he would have changed it to an urban environment and used a score instead of all these rock songs. The very thing mm-hmm. that got it on our list, Stallone would have said, no, we're not right. putting those in our song. We're not doing a movie. <laughs> he didn't want to do the movie, honestly. He said that the director kept offering obvious. him more and more money till he just said, what the hell? No one will see it. <laughs> I really felt like it was obvious to me that he actually didn't want to do this movie. Do I got to tell yeah. you, I had never seen it. He kind of phones it, it in, doesn't just he? just watched wow. it today. I yeah. just watched it today. Yeah. You watched it today? <laughs> today. <laughs> Why? Why would you do yeah. that? Because I wanted to be in the know. I wanted to be uh, able to, to chat yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. not at his most Stallone of any film ever, certainly. No. He's very subdued. It's very yeah. different. And the it film is, 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 admittedly, it's very melodramatic. It's very predictable plot with the, the mean grandfather who has you know, yeah. been hiding the letters that he's been writing all this time. But right. mm-hmm. whether you like the film or not, First of all, it it passes the 80s litmus test. Yes. Meet Me Half the Way by Kenny Frickin' Loggins is on the soundtrack. Yes, no. yes. Oh, yeah. So you're off to a great start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, the, the strains of that got me through some of the scenes, I got to say. Because mm-hmm. yep. there's so much about this that's cheesy and the dialogue is a, a little painful at times. Is that the song they keep playing over and over again? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh my God, it, they it, just overused it in that It's movie. in the background a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little perplexed though. Yeah. In the in the movie, Stallone keeps saying, the, the world will not meet you halfway. 
He's trying to impress this upon his son. But the song is <laughs> the song just meet me halfway. Across well, isn't the movie is... about him learning to meet halfway though? Like Stallone is wrong in that regard, isn't it? Well, all isn't right. that his arc? It could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is well, no arc. That's uh, why you're confused. Uh, maybe that's it. <laughs> None of the characters learn anything or change. Again, it's pretty melodramatic. Yep. It's pretty ridiculous. Well, his son yeah, meets but basically him. all of the ills are caused by an evil granddad. That, yes. that that causes all the problem in the movie. So yep. it's like nobody did anything wrong. We're all victims of of yep. Daddy Warbucks, who is super rich. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but as I was saying, uh, uh, Sammy Hagar's Winner Takes All. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Another yep. great track in this film. That was a very sure. exciting scene as well. Giorgio Moroda did a track in that movie too, although I don't know offhand which. I'm pretty sure he did. He, Giorgio Moroda did so many songs for so many movies, but I'm pretty Actually, sure he did. didn't he, wasn't he the, the producer of the music, like in charge of, oh, the, all of the music for oh, the maybe. movie? Yeah. And, and other big names. Uh, Eddie Money had a track mm, in there. Mm-hmm. I Will Be Strong. He did. Uh, he did. Asia, yep. super group Asia. Asia I can still see the there. Asia poster when I close my eyes. It was hanging in my bedroom, but yeah. Uh, Gypsy Soul. Maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe not their biggest track, but. Right. Uh, yeah, and the tracks from Robin Zander, Larry Green, Big Trouble, and contractually obligated Stallone film. Frank Stallone has a song. Oh. <laughs> so, it's not a bad song, right? He's not. Like no, it, no. You know, he gets a lot of guff, but he's not a bad. He's not a bad yeah. artist. It's just I, I think people think he's he's a kind of riding in on the nepotism train, but he he has his own chops. I think he's actually pretty good. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. one of my dance recital uh, dances was to that when I was oh. like. 12. To, that, to what? <laughs> to that one from Staying Alive? Over. Yeah, Far From Over was the song, right? Really? Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's <laughs> not far, That's not from this film, though. Far no, from no, over, no. Yeah, that was no, no, no. Movie. Yeah. no. Staying Alive or Saturday Night Fever? Another, yeah. another Frank Stallone track. One of those. Yeah. I forget what it was. It's that one with that real musical intro. It's very... Din, din, din. Yes. Now I know it. Yep. Before yeah. Frank. <laughs> yes. Clear as day. That one. All right. Hey, let me tell you about one. <laughs> okay. We're running okay. out of time here. Hey, well, I want to yep. tell you about one. And I know some folks here uh, suggested it as well. Let's see who somebody did. But um, I know on Facebook, Greg Andrews, uh, Brian Byrne, and Scott Brannick all suggested Purple Rain. So look, a few lists that uh, focus on the worst movies with the best uh, music. Include uh, 1986's Under the Tree Moon, which is a Prince movie. Mm-hmm. And look, it's true. That movie was a bomb. But <laughs> the soundtrack only really had one hit on it, Kiss. Yeah. Which yeah. had already been released months before and already became a hit on, on the quote-unquote yeah. soundtrack album Parade. Now, the Parade came out mm-hmm. like six months before the movie came out. And somehow it's the soundtrack. Whatever. I don't know. I guess you could do that. So Kiss was huge before people saw this movie was a bomb. Mm-hmm. But that was it. So the ratio of crappy movie to music is pretty tight, you know? <laughs> and I think ultimately for me, that was a lot of the considerations and why Purple Rain makes it. Because mm-hmm. again, while the movie probably right now in Rotten Tomatoes has a high score, let's see what I got, 70%. Uh-huh. The, the critical consensus also on Rotten Tomatoes is that it's, it's uneven, but it's held together by a slew of amazing songs. And so ultimately yeah. the ratio of the film, even if you regard it as mediocre pr- Purple Rain, Mm-hmm. The songs from it are so popular and so many. Yeah. That ratio, it's you. It's like when we're talking about the ratio of the hair, the front to the back. It's in, a mullet. Uh, Megan's competition. <laughs> it's the mullet yeah. ratio you could apply to this to this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so you're saying like the like the, the 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 super solid soundtrack is just it's the yeah. it's the glue that holds together what otherwise without that music yeah eh, eh, you know eh. you take the prince out of it. What kind of movie is Purple Rain? 
Eh. Any of the compliments <laughs> that this movie gets, it's like the music is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Take the music out, movie's just garbage. Yeah. Yep. And it's kind of <laughs> crappy, I think, even with the music in it. But um, <laughs> look, it was commercially successful. It uh, mm -hmm. grossed seventy-two million dollars worldwide against a seven point two million dollar budget. Siskel and Ebert fe featured it on their top ten list of best films of nineteen eighty-four. Wow. Um, wow. For those Nothing who don't come out that year. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff came out um, in 84. I know. Yeah, that was the kind best, of I know, uh, popular. <laughs> I think we see it clearer in hindsight, right? I think maybe they were blinded by the magic of Prince. Purple! <laughs> it, 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 it is a powerful emotional <laughs> film thanks to the music. But again, yes. if it's, mm -hmm. you know, sans, sans music, yeah. I, mean, I guess you can't extract them too. But if you did, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yep. No, it's, it's Prince's acting debut, but you've got other folks in the, in the film as well, including Apollonia, mm -hmm. Morris Day, Clarence Williams III. And... It features several concert sequences, again, which again marries the music in the movie in such a way that the music's really still holding the film up. And it won an Academy Award. That's how good it was. The Academy Award, though, was for Best Original S mm -hmm. Song Score. So again, the music. Right. Um, I don't have to tell you folks listening to this, but the, the, the soundtrack album of the same name featured the chart toppers When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, Purple Rain, uh -huh. I Would Die For You, mm -hmm. and also includes the Filthy 15 track Darling Nikki, the controversial mm -hmm. one we talked about several episodes ago. Mm -hmm. It's certified 13 times platinum. Yeah. Having sold over 20 so. copies. And yeah. check this out. At the same time it came out, they released, you know, uh, like uh, spinoff albums. Because in the film... Huh. Uh, the time performs Jungle Love and The Bird. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to okay. dance to a Jungle Love, too. You did? Oh, we, oh, we, yeah. oh, wait, I'm <laughs> oh, doing The Bird. Oh, wait, oh, I'm doing yeah. The Bird to Jungle Love. Oh. <laughs> and go, Cat. Go. Mash up. Do yeah, Jungle Cat, love. do it. Hang on. <laughs> I want to see it. Oh, all right. I nothing. think there, there was, there was nope. something, something like that, I guess. <laughs> Don't remember. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Right. <laughs> give the people what they want. <laughs> oh, I was going to give you the winner thing, but I, whatever. Ooh, the power up. Whatever you call it. That was easy. Um, so yeah, so you got those. You got that spinoff album that came out was also considered uh, part of the soundtrack. So uh, two again, very popular songs. Uh, Apollonia Six was. Uh, they also had their debut album, which was a self-titled Apollonia Six. Yeah, not as popular as the time, of course. But look again, Mother of the Cherry Moon stinks, but one good song off of it. Purple Rain's mediocre with what did I mention? Four, five, six, seven. At Bangers, least. As the At kids least. would say today. Mm -hmm. Speaking right, of controversial, look, Kathy got grounded for seeing Purple Rain. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Darling Nikki song and that whole thing probably. <laughs> um, oh, I'm talking again, I guess. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. So I know this one. All right. So here we go. Now you can put uh, Greg's uh, verbose thing on here. All right. Okay. Let's say here. <laughs> the music for Maximum Overdrive is done by ACDC and has, all right, you know, Greg, you're stealing my thunder. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Hey, so yeah, so Greg suggested a maximum overdrive and- uh, Thanks for being here. Get out. It also appeared on a number of lists as well. Uh, we can share some folks' comments about Purple Rain in a moment here. Um, maximum overdrive came out in 1986. Rotten Tomatoes, 15%. That's one that, look, even in hindsight, that hasn't moved. That probably, if it moved at all, it started at zero probably. Uh, it was a comedy horror written by Stephen King and also it was directed by the the legendary author in his, his uh, directorial debut. Um, the screenplay was loosely based on a short story of his named Trucks, which follows the events of machines becoming sentient and mm -hmm. murderous. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Uh, when when the Earth is crossed by the tail of a comet, and I think comet, and I think at now, the end of the movie, it's implied that maybe there's a UFO in the comet or something. This oh. is the one with the the big green goblin mask on the yes. front of the truck, yes. right? Yes. Oh yeah. 
again yes. trucking yeah. movies got a lot of play in my oh, house gotta gosh. say this is too trucking okay. movies yep. oh, hey. yep. yes. this is not a truck driving yeah. movie at all but no. it had a big rig in it right it has 18 wheels you gotta look a lot ready. Of big rigs yeah <laughs> yeah one of the criticism read of the film was that essentially it just comes down to one long car chase kind of the film it itself. is yeah I yeah. want to tell you something. I, I had never seen this movie. And you watched I, it today. Wait, wait, wait. I tried. I tried oh, to watch tried. it today, but there's no, <laughs> there was no good, easy, cheap way for me to watch it, except yeah. with these snippets of mishmash videos on YouTube. So yeah. I watched it in, in the pieces. worst possible way, oh. it, it, like little bits and pieces all in the wrong order. Oh. It would not be improved by however, <laughs> watching it, quote unquote, properly. I saw enough. I, I saw everything I needed. So uh, what are we talking about? Maximum Overdrive. So Stephen King, look, Emilio Estevez, Pat Hingle, Yardley Smith is in it. Uh, again, generally negative reviews. It was a bomb, objectively. Nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Director for King and Worst Actor for Estevez, but both <laughs> lost to Prince for Under the Cherry Moon. There you go. There's tied together. Zing! King That's himself amazing. called it a, quote, moron movie. And swore off directing. He's never directed again after that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good reason. But why is it on our list? Because even though the movie is lackluster, the soundtrack track truly rocks. And King being the most popular author at the time, I'm, I believe, mm -hmm. you know, that's anecdotal. Uh, what the master of horror wants, the master of horror gets. And what he wanted was music from his absolutely favorite rock group. Right. And so he reached out to ACDC <laughs> for them to provide some music for the film, and they agreed. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Now, the early 1980s was a mixed bag for ACDC. They had lost uh, Bon Scott, mm -hmm. uh, had replaced him with uh, Brian Johnson, but then they had Back in Black, which is a huge hit, and then some other records as they went on sort of uh, started waning. But this hit them at the right time, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, although they created a three new tracks for the film, including the uh, titular, tit it's actually not titular, it's the theme, I guess, Who Made Who, okay. uh, yeah. and two instrumentals, yep. The rest of the songs from the soundtrack are already uh, popular songs from ACD's catalog. That's what I was so, wondering, yeah. if there were any made specifically for the movie. So really one. Just really who made who, yeah, if you've words. ever heard okay. that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You know, no, put good no. songs in it. And when Stephen okay. King calls in the 80s, yeah. you pick up the phone and you say yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the soundtrack Unless album. Unless he's who asking made, to direct right. another movie. <laughs> you don't say no. yes. No. Uh, so Who Made Who, the album from ACDC is technically is the soundtrack for okay. Maximum Overdrive. All right. uh, it includes, uh, again, it's filled with a number of songs that were previously released from the band, including You Shook Me All Night Long, Hell's Bells, For Those About to Rock. Again, mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of we uh, hits. You. The album itself peaked at number 33 and the title track, Who Made Who, became a uh, hit on the radio. Um, and again, their sort of popularity or record sales were waning at this time. This Who Made Who album set them up for their their next album, which was their highest charting record since uh, For Those About To Rock. Uh, what was their next album? 1988's Blow Up Your Video. Oh, is that the name or is that was instructions to me? I don't know. Okay. You know, that old chestnut. <laughs> I hope you didn't All forget right. to do that. <laughs> Kat, bring us home. Let's try to. Right on. Here I go. Yeah. And I got to say, I'm feeling bittersweet about mentioning this movie, partly because okay. of, of course, because of the very recent passing of its right. star, Olivia Newton-John. But uh, also, I got to say, I loved this movie, <laughs> not just because of the soundtrack, but you'll maybe hear a little more about that later. Are there truck drivers in it, Kat? Is that why you loved it? It's working, buddy. Xanadu. Keep the pedal keep to the metal. 
Okay. The shiny so, side up, the greasy side yeah. down, Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new handle. Okay, so we are, of course, talking about Xanadu, which is a 1980 musical fantasy written by Richard Christian Dennis. Am I pronouncing that right? Am I quite sure? And Mark Reed Rubel, or Rubel. And it's directed by Robert Greenwald. It stars, of course, Olivia Newton-John, Michael Beck, and also Gene Kelly. Love Gene Kelly. Oh my gosh, yes. In his final film role was so this was produced at the tail end of disco mania and it's a brightly colored fantasia of regrettable fashion that's will's words i just need to point that out there regrettable fashion fashion, amazing hair and horrible special effects Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay Mm. box office disappointment xanadu earned negative critical reviews Um, Variety called it a stupendously bad film whose only salvage is the music. And it was also one of the original inspirations for publicist John J.B. Wilson to create the Golden Raspberry Awards. Another connection. Hmm. Yes. Oh, no. One of the inspirations is this movie. Yeah. I do love the movie, too. Kat, I couldn't tell you the story, though. It's just too wacky. It's. Yeah. I have a feeling about it. I don't have like it's, knowledge about it. It's too Precise. surreal. I could not tell you the plot. Right. No. Like I, I, I watched it begrudgingly because I dated someone in junior college that made me watch it. So I was, I was required to watch it. It was one of your favorite films, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. We're not dating anymore. I'll tell you that. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's, now that story does not have a happy ending. Oh no. He's dating an arm wrestling trucker. <laughs> Sorry, Kat, go ahead. Over the top. John's going over the <laughs> So, yeah, it's, a, it, what is it about? There, there's definitely, there's a love story in it. There's a yeah. reminiscing about love story. There's the creation of a, a rock disco roller skate rink. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, anyway, despite the lackluster performance of the film, the soundtrack album became a huge commercial success around the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, featuring music from Olivia Newton-John, Electric Light Orchestra, Cliff mm. Richard, and The Tubes, it was certified double platinum and reaching number four, or reached number four on the U.S. Billboard 200 and number two on the U.K. album charts. The album grouped, uh, I found this very handy, uh, grouped Olivia mm-hmm. Newton-John and ELO onto separate sides of the album, of the vinyl, and some tunes were from the movie were even excluded from the album. Uh, let's see. Australian songwriter and producer John Farrar collaborated with Newton-John for nearly two decades. He wrote her U.S. number one hit singles, including two he wrote for Greece. You're the one that I want and hopelessly devoted to you. I'd I was love just to talking to my family about that. So we got a conversation about Grease, the original Broadway musical and uh-huh. how it was different from the film and uh-huh. which film, which movies, which songs were created for the film versus the movie. And yeah, uh, that's the okay. two, that's two of the ones I pointed out. Yeah. So those were not in? No, they were written specifically the for the movie. Yeah. How about that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Very cool. I could start singing those songs, but I won't. Um, and for Xanadu, yes. he wrote... <laughs> <laughs> You guys have to help me though. <laughs> You're the one that I want. Need, needs a partner. It needs a partner. Somebody else to start John's it. John's got a beautiful voice. 
One of you has to get the chills. <laughs> It's going to be future Robert singing if he does. So watch out. Oh, oh, I want to hear future Robert get the chills and and then they multiply. The multiplying chills from future Robert. Yes. Oh, we'll make that a Patreon bonus. (laughs) I am hopelessly devoted to future Robert, however. But as for Xanadu, he wrote Magic from Xanadu, which also reached number one in the U.S., Mm -hmm. And suddenly, oh, I could sing that one too, which peaked at number 20 on the U.S. <laughs> Billboard Hot 100. On the flip side, ELO's I'm Alive and Don't mm-hmm. Walk Away each reached top 20 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. But the title song, Xanadu, also written by Jeff Lynne of ELO and performed by Newton John, was a top 10 hit in the U.S. Mm, yes. And reached number one in the U.K., and several other countries around the world. I have a, a deep cut question for Will about this okay. movie. Ooh, okay. Mm, okay. All right. Although it's probably not that deep for Will. <laughs> One of the dancers mm, in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you already know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, he knows already. Yeah. <laughs> he already knows. I don't One need to give One of the dancers in this movie was in the film Conan the Barbarian? <laughs> Is that what you're going to ask me about? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm thinking of a different movie. <laughs> yes, that must be a whole different movie. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't. I have no you idea. You don't? No. Oh, I'm so excited. One okay. of the dancers, okay, here's your clue, is one I of just the stars is in a favorite 1984 movie for you. Well, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I was only going to give you that clue. I one figured of the you dancers in it? Knew. And yeah, Under the Cherry Moon. It's got to be. <laughs> Top 10. Just go on Ebert. Oh, it's okay. Uh-huh. Adolfo oh. Shabadou Quignones, Quignones yeah. from Breaking is one oh, of the dancers. Wow. He's in a zoot suit in, yes. in multiple. Oh that my was gosh. sort of his, yeah, that was his look. Yeah. Oh, oh another really guy fun. gone too soon yeah. recently. Yeah. 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 I have a parenthetical anecdote about Xanadu and it's, it's, it's connected only by name in that. So I grew up in central Florida. Uh-huh. right near Kissimmee, where the main drag is for Disney. And mm-hmm. there was an attraction along the side of the road called Xanadu, home of the future. Ooh. And it was it was basically <laughs> these bubble houses that someone once told me that like they inflated tarps and sprayed concrete on them. They had no frame. Anyway, it was a tourist attraction. I never went because I hated the movie. <laughs> and so therefore, like, I'm not going to go see whatever that crap is. Turns out, oh not even related to the movie, in name only. Oh. But the Xanadu yes. film was enough to tarnish this yeah. roadside attraction for my entire life. The duration of its existence, it's gone now. It's so, so always going to say, is it still there? Can you redeem no, yourself? And, nope. Oh, man. Nope. Crumbled. Oh, I totally would have gone. <laughs> uh, you would have, yeah. yeah. I don't think I they were playing gone. the music. I think it was just, <laughs> <laughs> just the name. I would have been oh. singing. So I have a couple more yeah. things I want to say about this. Oh, okay. Um, okay. This movie is hugely sentimental for me. I know a lot of Ooh. people think it's ridiculous or you know bad or whatever. But yeah. I watched it so many times, partly because it was on cable <laughs> and okay. we could just do that over and over. Uh, mm-hmm. We also wore the album out. We were always spinning Xanadu. And I'm not sure how many nine-year-olds are film critics, but I sure wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the only thing about Xanadu that I had any reservations about was yeah. that, I don't know how to explain this, but I was mistrustful of ELO. <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> because it was the first that I heard of them. This was my introduction to They ELO. weren't in the film though. I mean, they no. didn't play the, the antagonists. No, but their pictures were on the album, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. Right? 
Yeah, and, Jeff and Lynn with his like yes, big fluffy hair. It was yep. Jeff his Lynn. He was beard, all probably. shaggy. Yep, the big yeah, and beard. And he was like intimidating looking for me <laughs> for some reason. And while I recognized even at the time that they were they were contributing to this really great music, I, I just sort yeah. of tolerated their involvement. <laughs> For me, it was all about <laughs> Olivia Newton-John and her voice and Michael Beck was cute. And Gene mm -hmm. Kelly, he's just awesome. He was dancing in a pinball machine. I mean, like it doesn't get better than that. And so- it doesn't just, it? <laughs> just all the different styles of dancing and the skating. And it was just fun and celebratory. For me. Speaking of dancing, <laughs> Kathleen yes. in the chat requested that we'll do some pop and lock for us. <gasps> oh, I saw I'm, that. I'm on board. All right. All right, here you go. Wait, that was me. Oh, there no. There you wait, go. Wait. That was it. <laughs> oh, I finished. You, you hit yourself. I oh, tossed it to you, Kat. You <laughs> what am I supposed to sing now? <laughs> so I actually um, did think you were asking me about uh, dancer, actor, sandal, Bergman, who was, a, was a, played one of the muses in Xanadu, and she also appears as Valeria in Conan. The really? Oh, oh yeah. nice. All right, let's, so let's, Will was writing his own trivia question up, for you. Let's clear out the chat and let's get out of here. Let's see. Tiffany says she loved both Greece and Xanadu. Why? What do you mean question? <laughs> love them. I love them. I don't even you know how to convey that emotion. There. Yeah. <laughs> love them. Did somebody say that earlier? And she's disbelieving. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Breaking's an awesome movie. Yeah, Kelly, we did. You know, now we talked to Michael Chambers many months ago. Thinking about, should we get him on a Facebook live interview where folks can chat with him? He's Ooh. got a lot of stories. Michael Chambers, uh, Boogaloo Shrimp. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Matt Latanzi was in, Latanzi was in Greece too. I don't know why that's over there. Hmm. Olivia's ex, oh, Olivia's ex-husband. Oh, okay. Right, right, oh, right, right. okay. Yes. They met. On the set of Xanadu, actually. He was one mm. of the dancers. Wait, is he, he's not the guy who disappeared, is he? The fall, fall off of a boat and then disappeared? Remember that um, people think he faked his own death? I don't no? remember. I, I, oh. mm, mm, I don't think mm, so. That might have been All a right. different guy. All right. Hey, let's give away a book and then we'll get out of here, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so here we go. All right. So look, again, we're giving away this book here. It's uh, Pac-Man, uh, The Birth of an Icon. It's... Uh, Cookandbecker.com is the uh, the website that is giving it, is our sponsor on this episode. That's giving it to us so we can give it away to you. Um, hey, if you want to find out more about this book, by the way, uh, John, uh, our very own John, right here, he yeah, moonlights with his own um, uh, YouTube channel called Gen X Grown Up, and we're going to put the link to the uh, his uh, YouTube video about the book in the chat right now. Magically, hopefully, it just Ooh, appeared there. As if by magic. All right, so cool. So here's how we're gonna do it. So all you gotta do in the comments is write yes. hashtag Pac-Man, okay? Then from that, the magic of uh, technology will uh, pick a winner among the folks that are still with us live right now on Facebook Live. And again, join us uh, on our, follow us on Facebook to find out why we're doing this stuff like this again. The next, of course, we're gonna be uh, talking, uh, we're gonna be doing Facebook trivia at the end of the month, August 30th, with a special surprise celebrity guest who appeared in many 1980s movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where is it on there? Can, can you find that on there? Oh, there what it is. What am I looking for? Pac-Man, there it is. I see it. Oh, Should yeah. I share I that. Can you share that? Uh, so add to the stream? Button. There you go. All right, so here we go. Here's oh, oh here it comes. See who won the Pac-Man book. Oh, it's like, a, it's like a wheel, but not. It's slowing yeah. down. Slowing down. Sean Hockney! Sean Hockney! Hockney. <laughs> Ooh, look at all there that confetti. Go. Somebody's got to clean that up. I know, it's going to be a disaster in here. Yeah. stuff. 
Will sweeps up after every time. It's fine. <laughs> hey, Sean, well, yeah, just like Carol Bonnet at the end of the show. Hey, Sean, we'll reach out to you on Messenger or through Messenger on Facebook to get your info and get this. I don't know how this is going to, I don't know what kind of package this is going to come in, but. It's going to be $18 uh, in shipping. Oh, yeah, probably. The book itself <laughs> is worth 50 bucks or 40 some odd bucks. Can you overnight it? That'd be. But, uh, cost more than <laughs> Wait, the where book. do you live? It'd be more than the book. <laughs> just come pick it up. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's in Venezuela. Good luck. International oh. shipping. <laughs> All right. Hey, our, our show is brought to you every week. And again, if you're just joining us on the live, join us on our podcast every week. You can find us on any podcast platform, all of them, seriously, all of them. And every week on Monday, we drop a new episode talking about 1980s pop culture. Um, but we are brought to you, not only to, this episode, of course, is sp sponsored by Cook and Becker. You should check them out. But every week, every episode is also brought to you by our Patreon supporters, including our early adopters, Kathy Burke, Rick Barker, Karen Flieger, and our Secret of My Success level Patreon supporters, John Henderson. Henderson, Craig Coletta, John Kaminsky, and our very own ooh, John Reddick. I got you. Yes. They're right. multiplying. All right, guys. Hey, we will see you again. Oh, what did we say? Hey, we will. Uh, oh, we'll talk to you. Hey, we will talk to you again next time on 1980s Now. Next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>